0: Welcome back to Living at the Mercy of the Moment, a new podcast created especially for this moment in the pandemic. I'm Shira Dicker, your host. Living at the Mercy of the Moment invites you to join an intimate conversation between me and Jeanette Perutz-Elsner. Jeanette is the author of the forthcoming autobiography, MS as Metaphor, a memoir of life at the mercy of the moment. Jeanette's memoir documents her almost improbably challenging life journey, which culminated in the development of multiple sclerosis when she was a young woman. You'll discover Jeanette has a message for listeners and the world at large. If you want help surviving this impossibly difficult moment, perfect your powers of resilience. This is episode 11, and then everything changed. Listeners will note that this is the first new episode in nearly a month. A rather cataclysmic event in my life and our shared lives has occurred, which we will discuss. We also lived through the historic victory of Joe Biden and the subsequent shenanigans that have followed. We are knee deep in the second surge of coronavirus here in the United States. In other words, we have a tremendous amount to discuss. So now I would like to welcome you and welcome you back, Jeanette. Hi, Shira. Hi, Jeanette. It's great to have you back and it's great to be discussing this and resuming our amazing conversations again. Listeners, of living at the mercy of the moment, know that our conversation about the particular challenges and features of your struggle with MS have a way of circling back to the global disability afflicting all of humanity, namely the COVID-19 pandemic. What you're experiencing on a personal micro level is now being experienced by people around the world. And we've explored that in the course of our episodes, focusing on different aspects. The resilience and coping mechanisms that you've built up over decades are important for anyone now who is struggling with the dislocation, fear, isolation, uncertainty, and general stress of living through now the second surge of the pandemic. My own personal experiences over the past month have also articulated for me the dimensions of loss during this time. So without further ado, let me dive right in. Six days after we recorded the last podcast, which has only gone live over the past week, I lost my beloved father. Um, Jeanette, we, you, you and I are so are so close. We're we're spirit sisters in this, and you were the only person that I called that day aside from my own children to tell about the loss. And I know that this is a loss that's shared by you as well. So let me just give a few particulars just to root the listeners in this. So my dad, Rabbi Dr. Henry Israel Dicker, died Shabbat morning, Saturday morning, October 31st. He died at around 5.15 a.m. And since the moment of his death, and really even in the in the days before when we had engaged the help of um, uh, hospice nurses, I felt a very strong sense of blessing, which may seem like a strange thing to say. My father had been ill for about a year, Um, until really October of 2019. He had held his own. He had some serious medical issues, but um, his pattern was that there would be a medical crisis. We would go right into crisis management, and Jeanette You and I have spoken as I was on route to hospitals, as I was going down to Florida, because my dad was in the hospital as he was in the hospital, and he had a pattern. My father would call him Superman, right? Here he was, he wasn't young, but he had, he averted every crisis. He just managed to get himself, he would get into the hospital. The minute he got in, he'd want to leave. He was not, you know, he was kind of a, a kvetchy patient. And I think part of that kvetchiness was what gave him his resiliency and his strength. And he would always begin complaining the second gets to the hospital, get me out of here, I want to go, while being deeply, deeply grateful for the nursing care and the care of everybody and the doctors. And he did it. He always came home before the doctor said he, he should. And he was fine. And then he came home last December of 2019, and he was better, and he recovered a certain degree of equilibrium, but then things began to plateau really uh, late in this summer, summer of 2020. And again, when we did our last podcast, my dad was in the hospital. He was in St. Francis, and we got him home Wednesday, and then he did die. Saturday morning, but I was acutely aware, Jeanette, as I've shared with you, and I'm sharing with the listeners. I was aware of the relative blessings of what happened to him. So I just want to talk for a little bit about this, and then, of course, Jeanette, invite you into this to react and to share and to to add add your own feelings. You know, in this time, what what people are going through in terms of loss it seems to me is loss magnified. And of course it didn't take the loss of my father to acknowledge this, but it really articulated it because of the contrast. So my dad, we brought my dad home on Wednesday um, and um, he wasn't well, his vital signs all read well, but empirically he wasn't well. And he was also telling us he wasn't well and he was telling us he was dying. And I believed him. Um, I was puzzled because I didn't know why he was sent home, but the sending home was a blessing and his his body was shutting down. And I was I was aware of the fact that in this COVID time, when so many people saw a loved one off as an ambulance came to the home, right? Never got to visit their loved ones, maybe said their goodbyes through FaceTime. We were all together. Um, we did not know at that moment that his, he was going to die so quickly. But what I will say, and this was the first major loss I have lived through, it seemed to me to be um, to be a, a, a merciful taking by, by God. And the one thing I was praying for, the final days, and I'm not sure how the prayer thing works. You know, I'd be lying if I were to paint myself as somebody who 100% believes in the efficacy of prayer. But I was praying for one thing when he got home from the hospital, and that was a very personal prayer. And I was really addressing God as I, thou. And I was just asking God to take him gently. That's all. I just just wanted him to be released. And my prayer was answered. And my father died at home. It is significant for a Jewish person to die on the Shabbat, the day of rest. And the phrase that came to my mind, which was one that I incorporated in my eulogy graveside, was, and on the Shabbat day, the rabbi rested. And he rested from all the hard work that he did. And Jeanette, I feel my father's death was a conscious leave-taking. He was almost 90, you know, more than 89 and a half he did his work. He completed his work. I believe he had TSA pre-check to the great beyond, whatever that may be. Um, and in in the days and weeks, it's not even a month, it's three plus weeks. I've just been overwhelmed in a positive and beautiful way by people's personal notes to me and stories and, and accounts, whether during his time as a rabbi or his his work as a therapist or from people who knew him, friends, old friends, his dear friend, Rabbi Hyman Levine, who, you know, I've gone to see him. He's my dear uncle, Jaime, an uncle of the heart, if not by blood. And um, it has, this has been such a, a huge, a huge passage for me. And yet also one filled, you know, the sorrow is commingled with a sense of blessing for we were together, for he was with us for the day before he died. I held his hand, his eyes were open. I told him I loved him. He tried to save back, he couldn't speak. My son Judah came and brought his guitar and sang to him. My brother's children came and spoke to him and held him and hugged him and we all hugged him and he squeezed my mother's hand and he was conscious. And, um, and my sister flew in and made it in miraculously, almost defined the laws of, of physical time and space. She made it in before Shabbat from Israel. And um, we surrounded him. And I'll just say one other thing. I know I'm planting so many seeds. I hope we can, <laughs> we can just even, you know, just um, touch on some of these seeds. Um, when, when a Jew dies on the Sabbath, The body stays where where it was. So in this case, he died at home and his body stayed there. And, you know, we, we covered him and we opened up the windows and there was something holy about that. And Jeanette, there was something holy about the whole process. I feared that I would be afraid when the time came. I was so afraid of it, almost like with a childlike fear. And when it happened, it seemed awe-inspiring, it evoked respect, it it felt dignified and it filled me with a sense of wonder and peace. And I wasn't expecting that. And that really carried me through. And, And that feeling continued really through the funeral and you were there. And when I saw you and David there, it was an incredible feeling to be so accompanied and to have you pay tribute and all the people that came and we were so lucky. Nobody in this COVID time gets to have these kind of funerals. We were able safely just to form a circle around his grave and pay respects. And he was buried in this open section of New Montefiore Cemetery. None of us had any idea where we were driving that morning. I was actually pretty angry at some of my, you know, my siblings, because I thought they were being cavalier about safety. And it's really just luck that prevented this from being a super spreader, event. Or Maybe they were going on instinct. They knew something I didn't know. I felt humbled because it, it turned out to be just so perfect. And the sun, you remember, it was a gorgeous, sunny day with a gentle breeze. And the minute we got into our cars, it started pouring. It was such a downpour. And when they lowered my dad's coffin, I was afraid of feeling afraid. And instead, I felt he was being embraced. I felt he was being gathered into the bosom of the earth. I felt he was being returned to his mother in some essential way. And I really felt the evaporating of his physical presence and then i felt surrounded by him ever since so that's that's what happened to me since we last we last spoke
1: would you like me to share now i'm reacting to what you're saying very very deeply yes uh, the yes, way please. The way your dad passed away in the beauty of connection. Connection. Everyone, as you're saying, was with him. You held his hand. He saw you. He saw everyone. He saw his beloved family. At this time, when everyone is isolated, no one gets to connect with their loved ones. Connections are veiled. And you were together, merging, together, loving one another, and your dad left this world knowing the depth of love of his family, of being, of connection, it's, it's exquisite. It's surreal what happened. His passing was, it's almost an aberration in today's times. No one gets that that privilege to be together. It's just, your description is, is so beautiful. It, it, it's, it's moving, I'm, try, I'm controlling myself because I adored your dad. Your dad meant everything to me. He was with me through every major crisis in my life, not only as a friend, as a, as a therapist, as a, as a rabbi, as a beautiful human being. He was with me through the birth of my children. My, I mentioned to you, my mother met him six or seven times. All of these connections are so evocative for me emotionally and, and I don't feel as healthy in my response, this is your dad, but I, I feel, I I feel this loss. I'm not feeling it in this healthy way for, because your description is, it's an ascension. He ascended. It's I'm, I feel that also, but maybe perhaps because he was, a very healthy father figure for me. He was, that when I stopped seeing him in therapy, it was devastating. It was devastating for me. I couldn't let him go. As a matter of fact, I would go see him in Great Neck at least once a month. I was the only former uh, patient of his who, who would do that and i I just needed that connection because he soothed me i he soothed me, he understood me, I felt he loved me uh mm-hmm. and then at the cemetery, that was deeply um i it was very very moving for me i had I didn't have that day a wheelchair, so I was moving mm-hmm. very slowly with this little tripod and i was i was upset because i was a distance away i wanted to be closer uh but i was i couldn't get that close uh, but it was deeply seeing your whole family there it was deeply 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 moving and just i don't know, he he was he he was a wonderful wonderful human being wonderful I loved him. I love him. Um, he, he's, he will always be deep within my soul, within my neshama, within my being, because mm-hmm. he gave me a lot. He gave mm-hmm. me so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, I feel his loss and I, I'm so grateful, I'm so happy How he left this earth in the most beautiful way.
0: Yeah, yes, Jeanette. I mean, I you. It's like the words you're speaking are like into my heart and from my heart. And I feel you know those science fiction movies from like horror movies with the mad scientists from the sixties. There would be these two people on laid out on surgical tables, and they'd be there were these like contraptions bringing brain waves from one into the other. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I kind of feel like we are, like we're sharing, there's something that's going back and forth that's very reciprocal here. And it's a, um, I don't know, kind of a, a transfer of, of, of emotion and a, a spiritual understanding. I think what it is, is we're on the same wavelength about what his loss was. And that the beauty that you also perceive the beauty in it. You know, I'm my mother, of course, you know, his wife of almost 67 years. I went out last night. We spent several hours. We actually ended up watching a disaster film on TV, which was a whole other trip. Warning, after you lose somebody, you may not want to see the movie The Impossible about the tsunami in Thailand. Although in a lot of ways, see it because it's wish fulfillment. It's spoiler alert. It has a happy ending, but, um, you know, my mother, I, I really, I just, I just, she's, I, I feel so pained for her and she's in a different space and a spousal life partner relationship is so incredibly different. And she's 86 and processing it her way. I see it, you know, in a, And I realize if I try to speak to her about some of my perceptions of it, you know, I think some of what I say helps her brings a bit of comfort, but she is viewing this through not just a different lens, but an entirely different portal and Jeanette, we saw each other, so we saw each other last week, and by the way, we'll get to the wonderful, wonderful uh, fact of this article in Newsday by the exquisite journalist Joe Demanowitz about the podcast, and to all the listeners out there, if you haven't read it, please just Google uh, Jeanette Payrutz-Elsner or Shira Dicker, Newsday podcast, Living at the Mercy of the Moment, um, I'll put up the link on on one of my platforms here for the podcast, but it's a beautiful, beautiful article that just encapsulates what it is that we're doing. These these really personal conversations that we've just decided to make public because. They're so real, you know. They they feel so real. I don't know if we're saying anything profound. Maybe we are. Maybe in the reality and the simplicity and and the authenticity of what we're discussing, maybe maybe there is something here. But um, it is. I I feel I feel that my father's death was a very large event, and that what it means in practical terms is I don't get to see him here on earth. But it means a lot of other things. I don't have a sense of somebody snatched away from me. I think I was expecting I might feel that way, but I don't at all. Instead, I feel the gift of having had him. And I feel the gift of him being released at a certain point. And also, I want to say something. I feel my father, when I say there was a conscious leave-taking, we were watching the news. So he was in St. Francis Hospital for 10 days he came home for, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He was home for four, four, four days about before he died. But he had been in the hospital where he got the most wonderful care. And uh, we were all very concerned about the hospital stay and, and COVID. We, my father, I don't know how to put this. I don't mean this in a, in a disrespectful way. But my father managed to, to die in the window between the end of the grace period and the beginning of the second surge. So that number one, when he was in the hospital, we could be with him. I was, I was shocked. Um, I was there sometimes for four hours, sometimes more. My mom, God bless her, managed to just get on in the good graces of the nurses who I guess felt that this little lady, you know, number one, did not really pose much of a threat health wise. And second of all, really helped, you know, her husband. And so she stayed there sometimes for many, many more hours, which which is a gift during these times. Um, one of the evenings that I was there, we were watching the news, and again, this is pre-election, and my father is just watching between the craziness, Trump's rhetoric, the you know hateful language, and just the um, kind of the ugliness that was flying. My father looked at me very directly and said in a way that was almost, and I don't mean childish, I mean childlike, because there's a big difference. He looked at me and he said, My, look, what's going to happen to the world? Like, you know, it was filled with, it was a sincere question. I, what's going to happen? And I felt something profound in that moment. I felt like the passing on of a baton. And I just said "Abba," and I felt the words when I spoke them. So "Abba" is father in Hebrew. It's what I called my dad. We all, all, the, all of us, the three Dicker siblings, kids. Um, I said, "Abba, you spent your whole life fighting, fighting for democracy, fighting for justice, fighting for goodness, fighting for the causes that you you supported, and 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 you put your whole life and everything behind your passion." and your efforts and your time and your money. And now it's our turn. It's my turn. I said, Abba, do you think I am going to let my country die? Do you think I'm going to let the light of democracy die in my watch? No chance in hell. I said, you taught me to fight. I'm a fighter. And this is, it's my turn. I am, I have inherited, this is my generation. And it's funny to say that because I am, I just turned 60 this past week, as you know. And it's funny because I felt, I think it's a particular aspect of my generation. We don't feel our ages and we certainly don't act our ages. And for me to say this at 60, to just come into my own is a kind of funny thing. But I felt a real sense of it really is on my shoulders. You know, it's not the first time I felt it, but I felt it in a way where I felt like you've done your work, you rest now. And I felt my father felt that. And I felt that was his intention. And I said, it's my generation and our children's generation. And we are not, I said to him, and you know something? It's a privilege. We never, my whole life, I was born into the light. I was born in 1960. I was born into an era of abundant sunlight and sunshine and and the brightness of good. And the world was good and getting only better and I never had to fight for anything. I didn't have to fight for, um, you know, my right to be a Jew. I didn't have to fight for democracy. And now I have the privilege of fighting because so many others have fought. And the lesson is anything worth preserving, you have to fight for. And Jeanette, that felt to me a very pivotal conversation to have. And again, it was pre-election, right? It was the week Before the election, it was one week out. And I I was very worried, but my father said Biden was going to win. I don't know if I told that to you. I said, Abba, what do you think? What do you think? I thought maybe, you know, he has special, Uh. special insights. And he just said, Shira, he said to me, Trump is a Meshuggah. And he said, you know what? There are a lot of crazies out there, but there are more good people. Biden is going to win, and I have to tell you, there were days. Remember those days after the election? Right. I wasn't so <laughs> sure. Right. None of us were so sure. We were sitting on our couches, watching the news, being like, "I, I had, I poured myself tequila to get through it." You know, my father said Trump, and then he just said to me again with that same. I don't know if the world is word is childlike. It was. It was like a, a direct. It was like a statement where it's like the. He was so astonished. He said to me, I don't understand it. Why doesn't the president of the United States get on the news every day, three times a day, and tell America, America, just wear the mask, just put on a mask. And I said, Abba, I know, I I, I don't know. I know what you mean. And that same kind of like the wonder, you know, it was like he was looking at it. And I think he was looking at it in a way when I say childlike, there was a clarity and a simplicity. He wasn't looking at it through the lens of the, you know, psychologist who, you know, just months earlier had told me Trump was a toxic narcissist, which he was, is, will always be. And, you know, and and looking at just the it was it was looking at it through. Through this human, like I am a human being. I'm closer to the end of my time here on earth. I don't understand this thing that's happening. That's what it felt like to me. It was, it was very profound, Jeanette. And I think also I've been able to, I feel very imbued with the sense of well, mission. Well, you
1: always have. You I I've always have.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's part of the resilience of this time, isn't it? And maybe it's what's helped get me through. I feel, I feel my father's death has, I feel I am like the inheritor. I'm the heir of, of his values. I've, and you're right. I've always had them. But now I feel I can't even secretly think he's going to do it, you know, on this earth because now maybe he's interceding maybe we can thank him because he was in the great beyond when the election results came in and you know we joke about it i don't know i will tell you and share with our listeners i'm saying kaddish and i am experiencing it as another blessing and another gift kaddish is the the prayer for the dead it's not in hebrew it's in aramaic and it's such a mysterious and beautiful and melodic uh, prayer. It's intoned, it's chanted, and people um, who've lost loved ones. There's a certain um, uh, web of connections in your in your immediate network. Your your parent, your you know your God forbid a child, a spouse, um, a sibling. You know within within a certain um, network, you say Kaddish either for a month or for 11 months. And when it's a parent, you say for 11 months. So you don't say Kaddish in a um, in in a freestanding way. It's not free-floating. It has to be couched within a prayer service. And there are three prayer services a day in Judaism. One is Shacharit, which is basically the prayers of the dawn, the morning service. There's Mincha, the afternoon prayer. And then there's Ma'ariv, the evening prayer. So I think only... Two or three times I did all three prayer services. I've made peace with what's authentic um, to me, which is to say shacharit every day. And I have not missed the Kaddish, as my husband keeps on pointing out. Um, But it's also easy because in this COVID era, Zoom services have become ubiquitous. So I pray, or the word is daven in, in Yiddish with a prayer service called Darche Noam, which is a partnership prayer service. It, um, it's on the liberal end of orthodoxy and women um, have a very large role in it, which is one of the things that makes it very um, comforting for me. I also, I like a lot about it. I know many of the people, um, many of whom, and some are, some are close friends who have lost loved ones who are part of this also. And I will tell you, every morning, I put my prayer shawl on my talus, which I bought directly from Women of the Wall, this awesome, you know, activistic group of women in Jerusalem who demand the right to pray at the Western Wall. So I have my beautiful talus, which has the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah embroidered into the four corners, and it has a phrase on the back from Songs of Song Song of Songs, let me hear your voice because your voice is pleasing. And that's significant because the voices of women were so often and still are so often muted in in religious contexts. So I wrap myself in my talis and I wrap myself in the memory of my father. And the prayers that I enter into seem to me like an enchanted forest. And I had an insight. And of course, I believe a strictly orthodox rabbi would argue with me and say, no, sure, that's not the intention. But I believe that the prayer service, which has, it's, it's longish. We do it within about 40 minutes. I believe that what it is, is it's a buffet. And you're meant to take what's tasty for you and what makes sense and what nourishes you and what um, what fills you. I feel that to go through and mumble or recite all the prayers, I don't want to put that down, that's a personal choice. That's not the way I engage. And every day something else occurs to me, a verse that I've known my whole life that I've, I've sung because so many of these verses are, are, are put to music. And some were my father's you know, favorite songs that I hear from childhood. Others are are just like they just fill me with with wonder. I cry a lot, but not sadness. More the you word use the word moving, you know, to describe the funeral. I find davening so moving, and lately I've been focusing on the allusions to the angels, you know, to the angelic hosts. Um, there's something called the ofanim, and in my mind's eye, I've o- always seen angels riding on bicycles why because the hebrew word for bicycle is ofanayim and guess what it turns out because i googled it yesterday the ofanim actually are angelic beings this is you know i just you know i just i want to envision
1: that in your description now in this time of such extreme disconnection your description of kaddish what it's doing to you, how it moves you, how it's connecting you is so glorious. It's, it's gorgeous, gorgeous. In your suffering, there's an uplifting glorification of beauty, of connection. And it's so striking when I listen to your words because we're all so disconnected from one another and you in the time of your dad's of your beloved dad's passing feel so enriched so nourished so vitalized by connection it's gorgeous to hear you speak it's beautiful one would never expect in this time where we're all pulled away from one another we we're not connecting we're alone we're alone together and you are not alone you are so connected and vitalized and and i and you have so much i mean just i know what you what you did when the beginning of your dad's illness how you and adina your sister and your brother morty would go to the hospital and you would monitor his breath his movements you would sit there and it was you were the most wonderful children wonderful connected family and your dad had has left this world knowing what 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 the profound meaning of love if if we in this world mm-hmm. were to have a family such as yours what a beautiful world would this would be in times of sadness and tragedy, Mm -hmm. to be uplifted by the connections and the authenticity and the love that you have towards one another, towards your dad, towards your, or your mom. And just, I just imagine your dad leaving this world, knowing everyone in his family who he loves are there for him. And he just exited in a beautiful, fluid,
0: gentle way. So beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Jeanette, that is just, no, thank you for, you know, for noting that and honoring that. And, and that is so, it, it really is. And I wonder also if I'm saying Kaddish for a lot of that things, struck, right? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. Yes, so many things, and the world that we're in, and I, I am mindful of the time. So I want to say something about, we got up, so Shiva is the morning period, and we had a full week of Shiva. My dad died on Shabbat. We buried him the following day, Sunday. You were there, of course, you and David. And then it. Um, we got up from Shiva the last day. You don't sit on Shabbat, though it is a day of Shiva. The wonderful rabbi of my brother's synagogue, the young Israel of Great Neck. His name is Rabbi Ismach, which is such a gorgeous name. It means happiness. Like will someone, and he, I, I was so, I was so astonished by the um personal, respectful um solace, comfort, and guidance, spiritual guidance he offered us. I admit that I'm often braced against. Uh, feeling excluded from traditionally Orthodox settings. And I could not have hoped for somebody more kind and sensitive. And really like he just, he, uh, it, it was a magnificent, what's called chesed shel emet. Like that's like a final uh, tribute that you can, you could you can pay not just to my dad, but to us, my dad's family, And so when we got up, we took a walk around the block on Saturday, which is a tradition. When you you end Shiva, my brother, sister, and I pushed my mother. It was incredibly moving. And I'm just thinking about it now. And it's just the sun was shining. We lucked out with the week. We lucked out by having a Shiva outdoors during an unseasonably warm time, right? And then the Biden victory, you know, now it was Shabbat. So it's kind of funny because my brother is more observant than I am. So in his house, they don't listen to the news or, you know, check their phones or anything, but some other members of the family did. And we had a little network among ourselves. We didn't want to offend the more Orthodox, but there was this secret cheer, (laughs) you know, that went up when we heard about Biden's victory. And I just said, thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Thank you for interceding. And I had this little fantasy that he and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and you never know, maybe also Sean Connery and some of the other good people, maybe Leonard Cohn from, you know, who died in 2016, just before the uh, 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 Trump uh, victory, whatever, quote unquote, victory in 2016. I felt maybe on some level, there was some interceding. Maybe they were doing get huh. out the vote. Who knows? And I just felt, I felt something, I felt light being let back into the world, Jeanette, which was paradoxical because my dad was gone, but you know what? He was no longer here, but he's now everywhere. And that's the feeling that I've retained ever since. And it does feel like there's, there's more light in the world now. There is a vaccine, several vaccines on the horizon. Yesterday, we got the news that this, GSA, whatever her name is, Emily Murphy, somebody finally was pressure told. She finally gave the green light to the transition team where in business we're moving and something, and I feel, you know, we're, we're approaching this time where the lockdown is, is, is severe in some places is going to get more severe. Um, I, I, I grieve. I can't even roll my eyes anymore. I think what's happened since my father died, instead of the anger I felt at people who were being covid I feel instead compassion and sadness and just sadness for the devastation that's going to follow, you know? And I just, I just pray. I pray that the light of reason and the light of goodness shines. And um, as I said, I feel you're right. I always had a sense of mission, but now I feel even more empowered. Yes. I, I, yes, you've always had a sense of mission
1: and we all have to be more empowered and be, because we, we must elevate the world. We must bring us MS. You said it's more severe. Everything is more severe. Your mission is more severe. It's much stronger we we do have a mission. We do, and your dad left. You mentioned the rabbi's name; that it meant happiness. So he left this world, ascending, ascending. It's and it's it's so beautiful to just to think of of all he represented. And I I mentioned in the past. I just have to get back to your dad, that we're in a paralysis in in this world. This is a paralysis. And we let was a political paralysis, yes. it's a more uh, um, all types of versions of paralysis. And when I was in the hospital with the onset of my MS, other than my, my mom and my aunt, my cousin George's mom, the first person who really um, connect, my husband was there briefly also, but the first person who connected with me uh, on a profound level who came to see me the first person was Henry Dicker your Abba he called me daily I don't know mm-hmm. I'm, I got back into this because it was an elevation he elevated me when I was at the depths where I couldn't even hold a pencil I could only speak Henry mm-hmm. came to me and I'll never forget it Chira
0: ever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Jeanette, so I'll just share with our listeners, you know, we've talked about it, but I want to articulate it even more. So this podcast is really a companion piece to your autobiography, which we're hoping to get ready to submit to publishers by the end of 2020. And wouldn't that be, you know, that... There's so many things about this—the completion, the closure of 2020. Why 2020? It. This is just as my dad said at the beginning with the pandemic. He said this happened a hundred years ago. We just happen to be the people who are alive now when it's happening. So maybe it's just this is what's happening now. We happen. It happens to be 2020. It could have been maybe 2019. It could have been 20 whatever. But we have this. What happened over the last three weeks, my dad's my dad's passing, I, I still struggle to find the right verb to describe what happened. You know, the the hospice people use a word I love. Yes, transition it's a beautiful word. I yes. just love that. I it's love cute. that. It's beautiful. It's not a euphemism. At first, I was like, wait, is that a euphemism? No, It's exactly what it is it's transitioning from one state of being to another state. And I, I spoke to a dear friend yesterday. She called me in a, in a way that was almost psychic because I was driving out to see my mom, my friend. I'll give her a shout out. Sharon Mofsis, also from Great Neck, by the way, who's beautiful dad Dr Sam Mufsis just a legendary doctor from South Africa was a good friend of my dad they sometimes sat together in synagogue and spoke and her mother Sonia Mufsis one of the most warm loving and just big personalities of my childhood until the present time Sharon's mom Sharon called me as I was as I was uh, approaching great Neck. and we were talking about the death itself and her father had something similar, where hospice was brought in, and she said, People, it's so rare to have a good death, to have a death that really feels like a part of life, like a closure. and yeah, um, a beautiful and there is that Your dad's you know, that passing was beautiful be-
1: beautiful. that's why you yes. must have it was there must be tremendous comfort within you because he in his suffering. There was a beauty of connection, of love, and he passed in a, in the a most beautiful way. We w- yeah. Everyone
0: would long to have such a passage. Such a passage. And so as we're nearing the end of this, Jeanette, so first of all, taking from our individual what we're going through and just radiating it outward to everybody who's listening or just the world at large. I mean, the takeaway from my experience and from our experiences, and we knew this before, but it's even more sharply articulated now, it's about being there for each other, helping each other out of the paralysis, being there, calling, holding a hand, right? Witnessing, helping, helping us transition. Life is filled with transitional moments, right? It's Even this, even what we're in right now is a transitory state. We're going to look back at this During COVID, I kept on saying, and I probably said it to you, Jeanette, I can't wait to look back at this time from a better time, right? Hopefully a better time. And for us to just call each other up and to review it, to do a postmortem, if you will, on the pandemic and to talk about every insane, crazy, horrible, weirdly funny, you know, tragic thing that happened and talk about it from a safe, healthy distance and But we know all the things that have been articulated. We know, and my, my heart breaks for my husband's cousins who lost the lambs, yeah, L-A-M-M, uh, the, the, the family of uh, Rabbi Dr. Norman and Mindy Lamb. They lost both these two beautiful, wonderful people, died during COVID times, Mindy of COVID, and the kids were cheated, robbed out of the experience of being together, of being, being with their family. And I recently saw the cousins at an unveiling and, and they're really, really marked by that. And, and that has to be dignified and we have to continue offering comfort and solace and helping, helping people who have experienced that absence of closure. A A friend from my high school, my, Ramaz called me last week to send me condolences. And I heard something in his voice. He's somebody, I was very fond of him in high school. Somehow we fell out of touch over the, you know, 40 plus years. And I just said to him, wait a second, are you okay? And he said, well, not really. It turned out He lost his mother from COVID. And again, the same thing. Not only was he not there at her death, but for the three weeks before, because she was in assisted living and because of COVID restrictions, and he's an only child. And he's still grieving and marked and traumatized. This is true trauma. And so the takeaway from my father's life, Jeanette, and from my father's death is, is that ultimately you know to quote the beatles and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make and that's not love making in a just sexual way although that's a nice thing it's the love you make in your in your connections and in your conversations and in extending a hand gloved or otherwise metaphorically or figuratively being there and that's that's the lesson of this time that is this is this is a moment where we really bringing it back. It's about I and thou. It's a, about understanding that life, there's a mystery in life, and we don't have to solve it, but we do have to understand that we're going through this together. This is a mystery that we're sharing together. So, my dear friend, um, I feel this conversation could go on forever, but... Alas, we have gotten to the end of another episode. So thank you, Jeanette. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Living at the Mercy of the Moment. If you like what you heard, please share news of this podcast with your friends and loved ones. We are opening a public interactive conversation on what it means to go through the pandemic and this moment in the history of America, guided by Jeanette Peirutz-Elsner, my dear friend, my sister of the spirit, whose life offers guidance and wisdom on resilience, transcendence, and survival. Jeanette, as always, thank you for this conversation. I feel my dad's presence all the time, and especially when you and I speak. And thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm, of course, accepting comments, questions, and offers to be on our show through email at shiradicker18 at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-R-A-D-I-C-K-E-R-1-8 at gmail. May your moments be merciful. May we get through this challenging time strengthened. May we extend comfort to those who are suffering. May we be inspired to fight the good fight. And may the world heal